record above 500. How about that? Out to the KDUS hotline we go and to go around Major League Baseball. We're now joined the sports zone by Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com. Matt, always good to have you on the show. Diamondbacks 10-7. and 7. They've already played eight of their 13 games against the Dodgers. Uh, your guy, Zach Allen, the NL Pitcher of the Week last week. Uh, what or who else has stood out almost three weeks into the season regarding the Diamondbacks? I mean, I, as a whole, I, I love the running. I just uh, I was actually on a Padres station yesterday with Tony Gwynn Jr. and talking. He was talking about how it was just a track meet, and he kind of Diamondbacks got guys on base. And Corbin Carroll hitting in the five hole, for example. When was the last time we actually saw a fifth hitter run regularly in any lineup? Thirty years. It's been forever. So I I, I feel like generally speaking. I've just loved the track meet, but obviously, if you're going to talk about like individually who's gotten out to a big start, I mean, plugging in Josh Rojas like that—that's a big, big deal. And I, I can't really say Gallon because I've been on him for years. But you know what? Merrill Kelly kind of getting the job done right now. Not like the prettiest mm-hmm. way, but he's gutting through the outing. Yes, he is, and uh, you know, he's a pitch to contact guy to some extent. And uh, yeah. yeah, their defense is their defense has been pretty darn good so far. That's I think the biggest improvement. They've had some pretty shabby defense around here for a couple of years. I think that's gotten much better. Yeah, and it's good timing for all this because between the bigger bases, the pitch clock, the shift limits, mm-hmm. focusing more on defense and base running is kind of a big deal right now. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. I mentioned that the Diamondbacks have already played eight games against the Dodgers. Maybe they want to play the Dodgers more. <laughs> Los Angeles is 8-9 thus far. You know, they've had some slow starts before. Is the yeah. average start for the Dodgers reason for concern or no big deal? What do you think about the Dodgers at this point? I See, I, I'm not – yeah, we can, we can bring up like 2018 when they started 16-26 and 26 and ended up in the World Series. But personnel-wise right now – I don't know, man. It doesn't seem quite as daunting as some of the, the recent iterations of the Dodgers after they, they've they let so many guys walk, and, and they've always been good at plugging guys in, or even like when there was an injury, like Adrian Gonzalez got hurt and they plugged in Cody Bellinger, or they let Corey Seager walk because they had Trey Turner and they played Turner at sport. But there's been so much kind of drip that it might have gotten too much because after letting Trey Turner walk, Justin Turner, who was one of their guys who was kind of their identity uh, through mm-hmm. all those years of making the playoffs, Kenley Jansen was another one of those guys. He's also gone. Uh, they're just not as deep. I mean, Muncy's going nuts right now. Freeman's having a good year. Mookie's fine. Now that Will Smith hurt, they've got J.D. Martinez hitting in the top four. He's not even close to what he, what he used to be. And then the bottom half of that lineup isn't scaring anybody. And until Walker Bueller comes back from his Tommy John surgery, you're talking about Dustin May, who hardly strikes anybody out anymore, 35-year-old Clayton Kershaw, whatever's left of Guard right now, and then Urias. It's uh, not that impressive of a team, given what we're used to with the Dodgers. You mentioned Cody Bellinger. Yeah, he's off to a nice start. You know, hit a home run against the Dodgers in Dodgers Stadium over the weekend. Are they maybe kind of thinking, hey, what did we not do with Bellinger? Maybe the Cubs have figured out. 
It's the weirdest thing. He went five for five last night. Now, I know it was against the A's, yeah. but they're basically a double-A team at this point. But, yeah, that was the first five-hit game of his career. It broke his previous career high of a four-for-four game, which he did when he won MVP. He's only 27 years old. I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like a divorce is needed in baseball. And it, it, the, the weird part is, when was the last time we thought, oh, he just needed to get away from the Dodgers to get fixed? Usually guys go to the Dodgers and get fixed. <laughs> guys like Chris Taylor and Max Muncy resurrected their careers or built their careers out of what was nothing. Uh, it, it's weird to see, but he seems like he's really starting to get back there. The main things to watch, a lot more selective with his pitches, not striking out nearly as much. So it's not just, hey, he's hit a few home runs or he's, he's on a surge with batting average right now. He's having good at bats. He's not swinging at bad pitches. He is swinging hard at the pitches right through the middle of the zone. He looks kind of like his old self, and uh, I tell you what, that's kind of what the Cubs were missing. I thought they were kind of half measures in the offseason, and it looks like they're just missing that superstar type in the middle of the order. Well, if Bellinger plays like MVP Bellinger, he is that superstar type in the middle of the order when they already have a good leadoff man in Nico Horner, a good two-hole in Dansby Swanson. It looks like Wisdom. Is, is a good maybe five or six. He's going to hit for a low average, but a lot of home runs. It's an interesting team. They are, and we haven't been able to say that about the Cubs for a while, so that that's, yeah. that's good for baseball if we can say that about the Cubs. All right, the Diamondbacks, you mentioned the Padres. The Diamondbacks begin a four-game home series against the Padres on Thursday. And the Padres really, other than like the three games in Atlanta a couple of weekends yeah. ago, they've been pretty average. So what's up with San Diego? And do we start wondering about Juan Soto? I can't Juan believe Soto. I'm asking this. He's hitting 164, yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't very good last year. Well, I can tell you, as I mentioned earlier, I was on the San Diego radio station yesterday. They said that their calls basically all day, every day, is people are terrified that Soto's broken. <laughs> so, wow. I, I mean, it's, I'm sure that we could find 18-game stretches in his career where he had a down stretch, but... I also saw a stat where this is the worst 18-game stretch in his career in terms of average and OPS. So it's kind of uncharted mm. territory there. Um, it is worrisome. I, I, I you'd hate to say, oh, well, come on. He, he was one of the best hitters in baseball history through age 22. Legitimately, almost any stat you look at, he's up there with guys like Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle in terms of how good they were before age 22. Uh, into like Tony Canigliaro if we want to pull out a little deeper cut there. Ooh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, being that he's only 24, they do get Fernando Tatis Jr. back. Manny Machado hasn't really hit yet. Kind of feel like I want to give him a lot more rope right now. Um, and it's bad timing for the Diamondbacks that it just happens to be when Tatis comes back. Right. Because all of a sudden yeah. the complexion of that lineup changes. What he was doing – to triple-A pitching was almost worthy of another suspension, really. It was, he hit 556 with seven bombs in 12 games. Just ridiculous. So I think he's a main on a mission right now, and as well as Bogarts has adjusted, it looks like. They could be dangerous here coming up soon. It, it, but they, I mean, overall, they've been bad so far, other than winning those three games in Atlanta, which if you look at the rest of their schedule, you want to say, well, where did that come from? 
Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, the Giants and Rockies, I want to at least mention them here. They're combined 10 and 22. I know it's early sample size, early season sample size. Yeah. But is there any really reason to think that either the Giants or Rockies are going to be on anything other than like fourth and fifth in the division? No, no reason at all. I would say that the Rockies are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. I mean, they just got embarrassed at home by the Pirates last night. And I know the Pirates are out to a 10 and 7 star, but they're not that good. Um, and the Giants, like, one of the only reasons I thought maybe they would be mediocre is because I, there might be some of that 107-win team residue in my head from two years ago. And last year they were 81-81, and 81, even if really uninspired. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the personnel there, ah, I'm just not seeing it. They're just not very good. They haven't been playing well. They're not they're, – yeah, I mean, they're fourth place with one of the worst teams in baseball behind them in fifth. Matt Schneider, CBSSports.com, currently in the sports zone. Okay, wrote about the Braves to start your power rankings column this week. The Braves, it's a little scary. They're getting healthier uh, with Max yeah. Reed coming back last night. Kyle Wright's already off the injured list. Are they a threat to run away in the Ameri- in the uh, excuse me, the National League East at this point? Maybe, maybe because well, if you look at like last year, they weren't even over five hundred until June. Well, they needed that 13-game winning streak to catapult over 500, and they won 101 games. They ran down the Mets from 10 and a half back, and the Mets didn't even play bad. The Mets played at like a 95-1 pace when they were getting outplayed by the Braves by 10 and a half games. Uh, I, the reason I say maybe is because I know a lot of people thought it would be a three-team race at least in the East, but the Phillies getting off to such a bad start when Bryce Harper was already going to be out at least two months, maybe more. Reese Hoskins tears his ACL. Ranger Suarez is on the injured list to start. It's going to take them a little bit to get going, and they're going to need a second-half surge, which they'll probably do, but they're not good enough to make up that kind of ground like the Braves did last year. And then on the Mets, we've already seen the Verlander injury. We know how old Scherzer is. Scherzer's a great shooter. I just saw another interview right now where he talked about how the pitch clock was going to be tougher once it got hotter on older pitchers. It's like, He's telling every like he's trying to tell us that he's not that confident he's going to have a huge year. So we got to listen to him. And if mm. you know Scherzer and Verlander are not locked in all year, how great are the Mets really? So I, I think it's entirely possible, especially with the Braves spotting themselves this kind of lead when Freed was hurt, when Wright started the season on the IL, when Michael Harris went down, when they're trying to scramble and figure out defensively how to cover for Dancy Swanson being gone in free agency. They've already faced adversity, and they're thirteen and four. And yeah, Glacius is still out too, so the guy's supposed to get the yeah, last yeah, three. Yeah, they outs. don't even have their closer. I didn't mentor has been closing in, closing for them so well. I didn't even think about that. So you're right. Yeah, that just gets that much more deep in the bullpen then because you can knock everybody else back a spot. Tampa Bay, they had the three thirteen and zero start, mostly against bad competition. How much do we uh, believe in the Rays in the Jeffrey Springs likely long term injury? Does that alter that your opinion of the Rays? That really hurts. Um, Glasnow should be coming back, maybe late May. Maybe he can pick up the slack there. But they were kind of planning on both of them being in the rotation, and it sounds like Springs is going to be a long, long time. Um, I thought they were probably on the periphery of a playoff team heading into the season. So if you spot yourself 13-0, and I think that changes, and I say you're definitely a playoff team. But they haven't looked that good in the last four games. You know, they've lost three or four, including getting knocked around by the Reds of all teams last night. And uh, it, the rotation depth is being tested right now. 
since springs went down. And I, I think that we need to be clear about the context behind the, the winning streak and that you definitely do need to point out the context that the Tigers, Nationals, and A's may very well be the three worst teams in baseball. Maybe they're three of the worst five if we were in a loop in the Rockies and Royals. And they beat up on them, and they were 9-0. and You know, most great teams go into a nine-game stretch against those teams, and 7-2 and would be a great success. So 9-0 and is huge. They four games swept the Red Sox, who are 8-5 and when they don't play the Rays. So we do have to give some credit on that. But... It was a really, really weak schedule. We can tell the truth and say it was really a weak schedule. Even if we want to give a lot of credit, say it's really hard to go 13-0, it was weak. And then they lose 2-3 or to the Jays, and they go out last night and lose to the Reds. So some evening out is already happening. I think it's a really good team, but not as good as they looked when they were 13-0. I know it's less than three weeks in, but are there some teams already that have been more difficult for you to rank than others at this early stage of the season? Yes, uh, a who, good number of dips. <laughs> uh, well, some of those teams in the middle, like Padres and Dodgers, who you think the personnel is better than they're playing. Um, the Mets, at least for a little bit, now they've gotten hot and woken up. Uh, Cardinals, where the expectations were, they're a lot better, but they're 7-10, and 10, and they're getting beat by not very good teams. So it, it's harder to do that and then like, kind of weigh it against, say, the Marlins, for example, who are 9-8. and eight. Are they really that good? Well, they look pretty good, but it's only 17 games. And then you compare that to the Phillies. Well, I still think the Phillies are going to be better, but they're not right now. So how do I line that up in the rankings? So that's difficult. And then, you know, the easy and obvious one, before the win last night, I think they might be turning the corner now, but the Astros, 7-9. and nine, mm-hmm. I believe I put them 10th. I don't want to drop them much further, but, you know, 7-9, and nine, and they haven't looked that good. So it's, it's difficult to, to figure out how to do it with teams like that. What's with all the strikeouts for the Astros? I mean, they've been one of the toughest teams in baseball to strike out over the years, yeah. and then they've had some incredibly high strikeout games at the plate this year. That, that that has me most confused, I think. Some of it's probably small sample fluky. Some of it is they'll get better once Brantley and Altuve come back, and it'll, they'll be yeah. kind of a more well-rounded lineup. Maybe get some guys moved down in the order like Pena, might have played a little over his head last year. Maybe get him back toward the back of the lineup and, and see if you can wake him up. But here's the thing. I know that Dusty Baker has been bludgeoned to death over the years, figuratively speaking, for for management decisions. He's been the whipping boy for people for some reason. Uh, that would maybe, be me, he never by got the way. Over, I'm, I'm, yeah, he, I'm part he, of he that. He never got over the hump, but he did get over the yeah. hump last year. Yep. He is so good at in-game manage, or in-season managing his players and his yep. team. I trust that he's going to be find a way to get his guys going and get them out of their collective funk. And like I said, maybe it started to happen last night. Yeah, I've never criticized him for regular season managing. I just kind of wonder yeah, what the hell was going on in the postseason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. The oft injured Jacob Degrom and the recently durable Corbin Burns also uh, left uh, last night because of injury. They both left because of injuries. I heard some talk last night and also some this morning about the pitch clock maybe contributing to pitcher injuries. Oh, give me a break. Is it too? Is it too? Okay. I'm gonna just answer my question. Is it too soon to blame <laughs> the uh, the pitch clock on that? <laughs> Absolutely. We always see a lot of pitcher injuries early in the season, and the crowd's always hurt. Give me a break with that. Uh, I, I, 
I, I would need a full season of that, and then I would need it to be a drastic uptick, and I would need it to be max effort guys who used to work slow, and then they had to adjust their game and, and, and work fast. But, for example, why, why didn't Mark Burley suffer injuries throughout his entire career? Because he took about two <laughs> seconds from the time he caught the ball and, and threw it to him plate. And he was one of the most durable history, uh, pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball. So, mm-hmm. I no, I, I don't buy that for a second. I will say, now that you mentioned Burns, uh, Brewers off to a great start, 12-5. and five. But Woodruff is out for a long time, maybe well past yep. the All-Star break. If we find out Burns is out for a while, Cardinals are scuffling. Two things there. Number one, kind of leaves it opening for the Cardinals if they rebound so that this bad start doesn't hurt them as much. Also kind of leaves the door open for the Cubs if they keep playing right. well. So the Central is something to watch. Okay, one last thing here, the new rules. And I blurted out on Monday during the show that I thought the shift changes to me have been the biggest change. Should I have kept my mouth shut on that? Or what do you think about the rules changes? No. Well, I think it's, well, I think the pitch cost is the biggest because the games just seem so much quicker and they are so much faster. And it's a real joy to not have to stay up until 2 in the morning my time. Now it's only like 12.30 or maybe 1. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, but I will say, aesthetically speaking, it's really nice to see a left-hander be able to hit a hard ground ball through the right side and not have a guy standing in the middle of right field. Or, for example, yeah. a line drive up the middle and somebody's not playing like Rover standing on top of second base. Now, they can shade up the middle, but that leaves holes open elsewhere. And a lot of times, if it is a play that the defender makes, he had to range a long way to get it and then has to make a diving stop. And then, so it's not just the offense. It brings back seeing great defensive plays in the infield as well. I think it's been awesome. I totally agree with that. So I'm glad I didn't just blurt that out and felt foolish afterwards. All right, Matt, always a pleasure talking to you. We'll look forward to doing it throughout the season. Thanks. All right, take care. Matt Schneider, CBSSports.com. And I got asked about that yesterday, and that was my immediate. I watch games every day here for seemingly you know 12 hours a day, and you know, to me, the shifting is just the biggest difference. I've gotten you. I got used to the rules changes during spring training, uh, so maybe I just you know a little ahead of the game on that part. But uh, the fact that you know Kyle Schwarber can pull the ball to right field. I'm gonna keep using this example, and it's not an automatic out to the second baseman standing 50 feet into right field. Uh, to me, that is the biggest change so far in Major League Baseball this year.